Yeah, hey everybody, welcome to Fuse tonight, every campus all over the state, hope everybody is doing great. My name's Caleb, if we haven't met, good to see you guys down in uh, Northeast Columbia, doing your own thing in your own building. A lot of you guys, if you're new, you don't know, this is a, uh, a thing that happens in 14 cities all over the state of South Carolina, so whatever room you're in, this is bigger than you, it's bigger than your room, it's amazing, and you'll get a chance to see just how incredible it is at the gauntlet this summer, it's just amazing every single time, you'll hear more about that, not yet. We're changing a bunch of stuff up again. You're going to love it, hopefully. Um, so here we go. Hey, uh, we're, we're in a few weeks right here at the top of the year. We're talking about identity. This is the age of Ancestry.com and 23andMe and the Enneagram and self-care and all sort of like exploration of who we are. And everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know where they come from. Everybody wants to know what made them, what makes them the way that they are. Everybody wants to know about their identity. And you should want to know about your identity. God cares a ton about your identity. God was very, very, very careful when he created you. He had a ton of thoughts about you. And so we're kind of building our, our year off. We're beginning our year looking at what identity actually is. So we've been saying this consistently. We're going to say it again for a few more weeks, that true identity is both knowing and receiving who God says I am. It's not, just, it's not good enough to just know it. You have to receive it. You have to allow it to be true about yourself. You have to allow who God says you are to shape and define who you are. It's not just enough to know it. But the second part is true. You can't just spend your life receiving who everybody says you are. You can't just, there's some things that people want you, where well, they want to be true about you that are just not. And so there's both knowing and receiving. It takes some work on our part to make sure that the thoughts in our mind are the thoughts that should be in our mind about who we are, to make sure the habits and the patterns that we have in place are the ones that are creating an identity that we're proud to, you know, live out, but also that we are receiving from God who he says that we are. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture tonight that is absolutely incredible. And then we have a special guest. We have um, a friend of mine who's going to come up. He has a really awesome story and his journey's just been incredible. And he's going to come and we're just going to kind of talk through and you're going to glean a ton from his experience. It's going to be awesome. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. You may have already read this at your, um, at your campus tonight. So I just want to say this really quickly. Two, two announcements type things I want to say really quick before I read this, this scripture. Number one is we have a, our first ever New Spring Men's Conference is coming up this weekend. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Let me, but let me tell you why it's going to be great, right? Like we talk about the meat and the axes and all the stuff. Have you seen the promo? It's gonna be, we're going to do some man stuff. But the biggest part is a, a lot of us right now are learning, and we're learning as a church, what, what does God actually say a man is, right? What's the difference in a male and a man? What's the difference in being a biological male, like what makes you a, a male and not a female, and what makes you a man according to the Scripture? According to God's Word, what makes us a man? So we're diving into that. I would encourage every single male at every New Spring campus tonight watching to come this weekend. Be a part of it this weekend. It's going to be awesome. The second piece is this. For the rest of your time here at Fuse, you're going to hear us say a couple of things. And one of those things over and over and over again is you need to be in a Fuse group. We're going to say it. We're going to push you to sign up for a Fuse group. If you're in a Fuse group, we're going to encourage you to be consistent in your Fuse group. If you don't have a Fuse group, we're going to push you to find a Fuse group. If you're not, if you're kind of on the fence about Fuse groups, we're going to get you into a Fuse group and then make sure you stick around. And here's why. This isn't just like it makes us feel good when you guys get in groups. There is a ton of science and data behind this truth. If you are in whatever season of life you're in, 
If you are going through it with other people, that season of life will make you better, not worse. If you have the ability to talk and share feelings and thoughts and have other people that can have insight into your life and you can give insight into theirs, your network, your, your, the people, the group of people around you has a tremendous effect on who you become. And so we want you to surround yourself with some good people. We don't want all your friends to be pieces of garbage and then you end up becoming a piece of garbage and you never should have been. But you just had some, you know, some booty friends. Okay, anyway, sorry. I don't know why I said that. So, okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to read this scripture to you. And you may not care about this, but I, I do because, I don't know, I, I, I kind of nerd out at some, at some pretty silly things sometimes. But the book of Ephesians, specifically the first three chapters, is some of the best writing in all of the Bible. It's actually called, according to some people, the Apostle Paul who wrote it. He's writing letters to churches, whatever. It's like his, it's like his guitar solo that goes, that like goes viral. It's like his, it's like his best song. It's the best part of his best song. You know what I'm saying? It's like his, his writing that's like heralded as like his best work. And he writes in Ephesians chapter two. And if you go and study the people that were in Ephesus, like the church that was forming, the young community of faith that was forming in Ephesus, there's a real serious reason why Paul is, is writing a lot about identity and about making sure we know who we are to the people in Ephesus because they had some crazy ideas about who they were. They had some crazy understandings of what their life was supposed to mean, but what it actually didn't mean. They had some crazy ideas that were starting to form. And so Paul writes some really great stuff. So look at this. I'm gonna go slowly and just point out some things, but look at how rich this is, man. Verse eight, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Amen. It's by grace you were saved. God didn't God didn't save you because you're a good person and he's not scared of you because you're a bad person. You didn't make enough good decisions to get him to like you. You can't make enough bad ones to get him to not like you. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And guess what? This is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. It's not a result of works so that none of you could boast. And Paul is writing this because he knows that people like you and me would come around and we would try to take credit for the good things that God does in our life, for the miracles that we see play out in our life every single day. We want to take credit. So he says, none of you are going to be able to boast. And then verse 10 says this. Look at this. It's amazing. We are his workmanship. That word can be translated in other spaces. You're his masterpiece. Think about this. You are God's masterpiece. You're the pinnacle of God's creation. It wasn't mountains. How many of you love the mountains? Me. My hand would be up if I didn't have hands for I love the mountains. I love the mountains. How many of you love the beach? You're beach people. All right. Um, how many of you lake? Like lake is your thing? You just like love the lake? Okay. All of those things that are amazing that you look at and you're like, man, I can't believe it. Like if you've ever been on an airplane and you just see like a, a, a tall mountain range and you're just like, you just like can't stop looking at it for a little bit. That's not God's masterpiece. He made it, but it's not his masterpiece. You know what he says his masterpiece is? You. That you are the best idea God had. Think about that. You are masterfully created by God. But look at it. You're his masterpiece, his workmanship. And you were created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. You're God's, you're the best idea God had. But why did he make you? To do some good stuff. So make no mistake about it, as we're finding out our identity, as we're discovering who we are, and we're discovering what's true and not true about us, you were the best idea God had. But he definitely had some ideas in mind when he made you. He didn't make you to just do whatever you want and be whoever you want to be and whatever matters to you. No, no, no. God thought a ton about you, but he also had some pretty serious plans in mind when he thought about you. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Our identity, who we are and who we become, is not 
separated from the things that we do. That's God's idea. And so instead of me just preaching to you for the next 30 minutes, I want to bring somebody up who has a story and a journey that shows this perfectly. So on every single campus, will you guys put your hands together for my friend, Chancey Stuggy? Yeah. Okay. Chancey, officially, welcome to the Fuse stage. Is your mic on? It's on. Okay. Yep, it's on. Let's go. Okay. So, I'm sorry if that video, like, makes you feel weird. But, super old. But like, it is, you, you are... You are older than I thought. It's not HD. When I like got on YouTube and I saw how old some of that yeah. footage looks, I was like, man, I thought I was expecting. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was bad. So, it was bad. I'm sorry. All right. Y'all. So here's here's what I want to do. Let me just, let me give you my nerd moment. Okay. I had this. I had the idea to make the video because I found a clip on the internet somewhere. This is like this is cool. This is cool for me. All right. This is weird for you, but it's cool for me. So you got to deal with it. This is like someone saying, "Don't be offended." I know. Before you I know. Like, yeah. No offense, but no. I saw a video on some guy's blog oh God. that was like a sports writer of Brett Favre throwing you a touchdown pass. Okay, this is a good memory. Yeah, go. I know go it's ahead, cool. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I got to get my one, my yeah. like one giddy okay. moment out. I saw a video of Brett Favre throwing you a touchdown pass at like a Jets training camp. Yeah. Now, it was never in a game. But or so, I did catch his, my first touchdown was from him in Miami. Are you so saying that in, was in an official game? Uh, a prophecy of like what was going to happen. That's so cool. I don't have the ball now. It's in New York somewhere at a friend's house, but that's a whole other story. Okay, so for all of these, um, so a lot of our students that are here tonight are actually half your age, which I want you to feel as they're old 13? as you are. Yeah, they're, they're 11. No, no oh, I'm kidding. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, so, so here's what I want to do. For everybody that maybe is not like a football fan mm -hmm. or cares um, or knows about the legend that was – or is whatever you want to call Chancy Stuggy. Um, give us, tell us your journey, right? So, so start when you're like 16 years old 16, in okay. wherever you were from. Tell us where you're from, okay. and then and then give us give us your journey because it's pretty awesome. Okay, uh, let's start uh, from Warner Robins, Georgia. That's essentially directly in the middle of Georgia. So, um, 16, I went to a high school called Northside High School. Very, very, very good. Um, we lost probably three games. My Senior year, well, after my entire career of high school, we lost three games. Um, I was a quarterback then. Came to Clemson as a quarterback. Side note, they switched me. That's all, Coach Sweeney, but um, not bitter about that. Um, so I essentially um, got scholarships from pretty much every school um, in the South, California, Texas, everywhere. And for some reason, I chose Clemson, which is the weirdest thing. Um, I don't know why, but it was just something in my spirit that told me to choose Clemson. Um, hindsight, that's a great decision, obviously, but um, came to Clemson as a quarterback, um, redshirted my first year, um, knew Jesus in high school, but kind of was going through the motions, like I can go to church on Sunday and kind of do my own thing throughout, you know, the week and the weekend, and which, you know, kind of became the norm for me. I got to school, got to college, um, redshirted, um, met Brad. Met Brad Cooper way Cooper. back in the day. For those of you wondering yeah. who Brad is, Brad Cooper. B. Coop, yeah, like he's old, he, he's old too. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> um, and essentially started doing FCA and got a little more serious um, about my faith and just kind of through college just took a lot of baby steps, you know, in my faith. And hindsight, looking back, I would I wish I had a, taken it more serious and had somebody to really um, tell me who's been in my position 
like what to do, how serious my faith was. So I went through college knowing Jesus. Um, I get drafted by the Jets. Um, yeah, shout Wait, out to New are York. are you a Jets fan? Who One Jet you? fan. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. One Good Jet boy. fan with a Cleveland hat, but that's cool. <laughs> um, so uh, where's I? All right, get drafted to New York. So a little Georgia boy who goes from Georgia to Clemson going to New York City. Like, it was rough, like, my first year. Are you a city guy? I am now. Okay. I wasn't then. Because I've never seen so many lights, so many people, and it was, like, all the traffic. I couldn't drive from A to B in 10 minutes. It took, like, an hour. So I was frustrated, um, and I broke my foot my first year. I had a great training camp, and I was like, man, I'm in the NFL. I'm with the Jets. Like, this is awesome. Like, I started feeling myself. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm doing all right, you know? Started kind of buying into the stories of being in New York, playing in the NFL, having a little bit of money and a little attention. And so, Lord humbled me a little bit. I broke my foot. So, I set out the entire year, and I made a decision to myself, hey, you know, this has happened to me, and God's trying to get my attention. So, I got serious about that word, like diving in, go through that year, like loving Jesus, like it's on. So, next year come, another challenge. Brett Favre comes. I become a starter, just forgot everything that happened the year before, like everything. You know, not like I was bad, but I just, the progress I had made, I went backwards. So having a great year, three touchdowns in the first three games, catch it from Bet Favre, like great team. We start out 8-0, like stuff's going great. So we end up in that season, like losing the next nine games, like bad, so. We're like, what are we going to do? So coach gets fired, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I go into the next season. Um, as a starter, again, things are going great. Um, forgetting where I came from again. Um, have this huge birthday party in New York. So this is the moment that really changed my life. So in New York, you know, you got celebrities and all that stuff. And all these celebrities came to my birthday party at this club. I'm like, man, I'm feeling good. Like, I'm feeling good. I have all kind. I throw all my birthday parties at clubs yeah, with man, celebrities. It's the norm. It's just crazy. Our lives are so similar. Okay, yeah, keep it, going. It, it, was, it was the norm. Yeah, you guys are relating to me, right? Yeah. Just, yeah, so everything you see on TV and all that crap, I was doing it. So I was in there having the time of my life, like the greatest night ever. Everyone's there, big cake, they stop it with the sparklers and all that. No one knows what that, that's for, but anyway. Um, so that night, I have a dream. A dream, I get traded to the Cleveland Browns, like the, like the pit. It's like, just be honest. It's, it's like, okay, we'll be, we'll, hey, can we put that on the internet? No, don't put it on the internet. Okay. Like, it was like, it's rough in Cleveland. It's like, no suns. like you're going from New York City to Cleveland, Ohio to play football. It's like, all right, it's not happening. So shout was, out to anybody watching in Cleveland tonight. <laughs> we love you guys. Sorry, keep going. Campus in Cleveland. Okay. Um, so I was my dream. So okay, I'm like, yeah. I wake up the next morning. There's a phone call, and immediately the phone. I like, I get home like 3 a.m. Okay. So this phone call comes like 7, and immediately when the phone rang, it woke me up. I immediately start packing my bag. I don't know why. I don't know why. So a little backstory to that. The coach that drafted me in New York was now in Cleveland. So there's a little connection there. So the general manager's calling me. He said, hey, you've been traded. And there's a silence on the phone, not from me, but from him. And he's like, did you hear me? I said, yeah. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm packing my bag. Because the Lord had really got my attention that night. 
and said, hey, you're about to be traded to Cleveland. And as I look back on that moment, that was God really, really protecting me, really looking out for me, really protecting me as, you know, if I'm his workmanship, he's going to protect what's precious to him. It's good. So, so you go to Cleveland. Yeah, go to Cleveland. How long were you in Cleveland? I was in Cleveland two and a half years. Two okay. and a half years. And then what happens? So uh, the coach gets fired, fired again. I know I can't pick good coaches. I know he gets fired again, and I go to Arizona. So Arizona is like great. It's hot. It's incredible. The team's not very good, but the city's awesome. So I'm like, man, I got my chance. I'm going to be the guy. First big contract. So I'm like, hey, this is the beginning to like 15-year career. And I don't play. I can pay a lot of money and do not play a snap. Like, it's the most unreal thing to me. So I step back and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I said, okay, I'm getting paid a lot. All right, let's set this up and let me just start worshiping him. So we had a group of about six, seven guys who would go to chapel every time. So I just owned that, that thing way back in the day, say, Lord, I'm just going to do this for you. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm hurt, I'm not playing, and th this could be the end. So I just started really going hard for Jesus at that moment. So at some point, the professional football player dream has to crash and burn, right? Like yeah, yeah. you're not still in the NFL. No. So what happens then, right? So you're in Arizona, making a lot of money, not playing. It's just like me in high school. I level with that part <laughs> where you're not making any money but also not playing. You're on the but team. The but weird thing cares, about you know? it is that – you can be at the highest level of something, and people can still make you feel like you don't belong. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Like, you st I still felt like I didn't belong. I just belong. assume everybody who's in the NFL just feels like they belong anywhere. Yeah, that's how you should feel, but, you know, outside voices, and you're not playing, and you see what other people are doing, comparing yourself to other people, and I just really felt like I didn't belong, like, on this team in the NFL. So it was a, a rough transition of, like, who am I? I was this athlete for like eight to what, it's like 27. Yeah. For all those years, I was an athlete, a football player, and that was that's what I was known as, Chancey the football player. Yeah. And then at an abrupt moment, it was about to end. Yeah. So, that's what, so this is the, right, we're in an identity series. Yeah. Now something that's been true about you for 20 years, yeah. it's not true about you anymore. Mm -hmm. So then then where does the journey go? Then what's next? What What's going through your mind? Like what do you have to figure out? So God in these dreams again. So I have another dream that I'm done playing football. I said, okay, all right, God, if you said it, it is what it is. I'm done playing football. Okay, what do I do now? So I went on a little search about, just as the first word saying, knowing and really understanding and believing what God says about you said, okay, what am I going to do? So I go back to New York. My chaplain with the Jets now had a church. So I started going to his church. I started doing commentating on TV and um, I knew football, I knew the Jets, so I got back with their network and started doing stuff on TV. And I thought I was doing a pretty good job. But for some reason, they just wouldn't hire me, and I began to get frustrated. So at the same time, I started doing acting. So I started taking classes. I had an agent, so I was a semi kind of television guy and a, like, a struggling actor all over again, starting over at 28. So... Is acting pretty awesome? Acting is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know. It just looks fun. I feel like you can just kind of. It's hard. I don't know. It's hard. It's, just, it's, just it's, like, hard. it's yeah. really, really hard. So I was, so transition that. So fast forward, I go to L.A. So I go to L.A. Yeah. Because I'm doing the movies. I want to do TV and all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, a friend of mine, you know, helped me pray with us. Said, hey, you need to go to L.A. So I drove 45, 43 hours, slept two hours in Colorado, like straight shot, all the way there. From New York to L.A.? From New York to L.A., straight Close cross country, like all the coffee, like doing it. I'm going to do it, like crazy. Didn't sleep. Just two hours in Colorado. So I get to L.A., I'm going to do the acting thing, you know, just working out. I'm like, I'm so excited, and I'm in L.A., and everything slows down again. Um, can't find a job. Acting is just so up and down. And so I was going to act very, very good acting school at the, at the time in Santa Monica. And I had to do something for money, so I became a personal trainer. It's not what I wanted to do. And it's like, how do I go from playing in the NFL, going to Clemson, playing in the NFL, to become a personal trainer? Like, for some people, that's great. And I love training. But for me, I just had such higher hopes to... Like, God, if you love me, why, why are you doing this to me? So I'm, I'm being a trainer. I'm a personal trainer for, like, two years. It's like two years. Like, it was, it was rough. Like, it was, I, I, I get a nice house. Uh, it's more like a loft because L.A. is expensive. I get a nice loft. And it's like, okay, this might be what I need to do. And all of a sudden, I have no more clients. No more clients equals no income. No more clients equals no income. I say, God, I've been worshiping you. I'm in small group. <laughs> you know, I'm doing all, I'm checking all the boxes. Like, what, what is going on right now? And, you know, some, you got to understand sometimes in life, Lord puts a stop sign in front of your face and cuts something off so that you'll turn right at that street. So I could have been going as a trainer still now and not be sitting here in front of you guys working for Clemson, doing all those things. And, and I'm so glad he stopped it. So you, you guys, don't be discouraged by the speed bumps and by the stop signs because God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. So what was, so, so let's go high, let's play high-low for a second, all right? So let's start with in the whole journey, okay? So now, do, do you want to talk about your family at all? Does that, is, that, yeah. is that in the story now or did Heck you want to yeah. say yeah, that? Yeah, this is in the story now. Okay, yeah, so, so pick that part up and then I want to know. So go for a little bit. Tell us your family. Tell about how, how the story you got to from where it is in, in L.A., no, no income, to here now, what you're doing now and all your family stuff. And then I want to know in that highest point and lowest point. Okay. Mm. Like you're on top of the world and then, oh, no, Back what have I done? Yeah. Yeah. So um, rewind, when I first got to L.A., that after that long drive where God saved me, um, I met my wife that next day. So I, I arrived on a Saturday. And I met my wife that next day. Didn't know who she was. So she was just, she tells a story where um, the pastor was introducing me to some of the people. And she was a new believer. And she was like, who's this idiot, like, interrupting our small group? Like, I just wanted to say, hey. Like, you know, so she's like, from the first day, she's like, freaking football player. Like, so she had the, the, the stigma. She didn't know you were broke. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't know that. Okay. She didn't know that. She didn't know that. No money, no clients, no income. Like, keep that hashtag. No client, no income. So she didn't know that. So I was kind of riding high with the former football player thing. It was working. <laughs> it was kind of working for me. So I just, you know, just met her that time, and that was awesome. So we knew each other for um, about eight months before I actually went to her. Gentlemen, listen to this. How you approach a woman, you go to her, you ask her as a friend, hey, I'm respecting you. I'm not expecting anything from you, but I would like to get to know you on a better basis. So we stay friends, 
nothing, no sex, no nothing involved. So if it doesn't work out, you can stay friends. So I approached her, approached her like a man, said, "Hey, I, you know, there's kind of been some banter going back and forth, but I want to ask you out on a date, talk on the phone." And her dad happened to be there that day, which was rough. It was Easter. I was like, "Man, it sucks." Did you That's... ask her on a date on Easter? On Easter, no respect for hey, Jesus. Hey, the Holy day. Spirit was working. Jesus gets like two days a year. Yeah, hey. right. Christmas and Easter. Hey. That's Jesus' so, days. Nothing wrong with piggybacking off Jesus. I'm just saying. Let's All right. go. Okay, keep back off keep, their keep, word. Keep, all right, keep going. <laughs> she was probably yeah. vulnerable. So she I, was feeling a ton so with, you know, with I was like, Easter. Lord, really you put just... this on my heart. Like, I feel like I'm for you. Like, <laughs> I lay hands on her, prophesy. Like, dude, I was rolling. Okay, no, keep, okay, keep no, going. Keep no, going. but no, so I asked her out, and lo and behold, she was kind of feeling the same thing. She was feeling it. I told you, football thing was working. So I was kind of riding that way for a little while. Um, but she, she's... Oh, man, she's awesome. Um, and we have a three-year-old son who's amazing. Aiden Isaiah Stuckey uh, is a ball of fire. He's awesome. They'll be moving here in February. Um, so my high during this time is pretty awesome high. I got to do a movie with Kevin Hart and Will Smith. So Same. See? Dude, riding the dude, football I thing. Even, I, <laughs> I can't even believe it. Our stories are the exact same. I know. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. like. So I got to do that. That was awesome. And Kevin is like a great what, guy. What movie was it? Um, Wedding Ringer. Wedding Yeah, yeah same. Wedding Ringer. Yeah. You know, he and I on a first name basis, Kev is what we call him. So Kev, like, dude. Okay, hang cool. on a second. Hang on. Do you have Kevin Hart's phone number? No, I don't want his phone Gosh, number. Gosh, okay. No, no I don't want right. to call him. Keep going. Um, so that was awesome. He is as funny in person as he is, like, on film. He, 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 he was great. Hard worker. Um, got to do a movie with Will Smith, who I think is one of the hardest workers in the business. Dude is really, really good at what he does, and um, he's just he's just amazing. So that that was two of my highs, which was pretty good highs, man. I loved it. That's it was pretty awesome. cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Now get to the low quick so, so we don't low, all feel like we're yeah. like so my low our lives. Was, so this is a pretty low, low. It's like low, low, back at, back at the bottom again. After I jump off that wave of um, former football player, I uh, came back down to reality, and essentially I had a job lined up to go into finance, and my wife and I, we had, you know, desires to buy a house and all that kind of stuff, and then the job lined up, they just stopped answering the phone. Stop answering the phone. Like, I could not find the guy anywhere. In L.A., works at my father-in-law's building, but I couldn't find the guy anywhere. Wouldn't answer the phone, wouldn't, wouldn't answer emails, wouldn't answer texts. So we're like, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do? So we proceed, I was proceed to fast forward to go two years without finding a job. Two. Two. Back to the no client, no income thing. Two years of just me and Jesus. I mean, I couldn't get hired at a coffee shop, like a coffee shop. Former NFL player. I got my degree. Pretty good with people, but could not get hired anyway. So after about the first year and a half, I was thinking, okay, God has something for me. Like, he blocked every single opportunity that I had. It was kind of like, I told you about those stop signs when God makes you go right. Because I wouldn't be sitting here now if I got that finance job. I would, I would be in California. I'll be doing something else. I'll be in entertainment. I'll be doing something totally different. So... You know, a good friend of mine today uh, gave a great word. He says, when God says no sometimes, I mean, he has something better for you. And it's hard to process that sometimes 
that no is actually a yes to your destiny. Yeah, that's good. So what what I love, I think one of the things I love most about you is what the first time I met you and hung out. You know when this was? Yeah. This this funny Will's here. It was me and you and Will were playing golf, and I had I, I'm I'm not as cool. I know you think I'm super cool. I'm actually not that cool, and so I don't. I didn't know. I didn't know any of your NFL journey. I didn't know that you and Kevin Hart were boys. I didn't know. Kev. 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 Yeah, sorry, Kev. Kev. I didn't know you and Kev. Kev. Um, I didn't know that you were broke, couldn't get a job. I didn't know any of your story. I just I just loved getting to hang out with you. Mm. And it was so impressive to see, you know, the more we met and got coffee and hung out and, and you know, kind of go like, okay, put the pieces together for me. How the journey go? To, to hear about that, I mean, that journey is crazy, man. That's like, I mean, I, I, I Googled you and found a video of Brett Favre throwing you touchdowns. And then you're in Los Angeles, you can't get hired at a coffee shop. And now here we are having a cup of coffee in Clemson, and I feel like I'm talking to somebody that, like, is, like, wildly impressive just as a, just as a person, right? And, and we, didn't, we didn't talk about playing in the NFL. We didn't talk about, we talked about, like, how do you love your wife? How are you raising your kids, and how do you work hard and, and just try to, like, so why don't you just just tell us, like, what are the handful of things that are true about you that have always been true about you that you know, like, man, God, why did God make Chancey Stuckey? And even in the moments where you, you got lost in the, you know, proverbial sauce of, of, the, of the success and whatever, or even you get just down in the, I just can't, I don't know where to move forward, what are the things you've always known to be true about you? I've, I've always known, firstly, that God was real and he loved me. And that what Jesus did on the cross, okay, I'm saved and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't really understand it. I didn't really understand it. So in those, back to those two years of me and God, I really, really found who I was. Really found who I was. I say, I say, God, you've created me for a reason and I have likes and dislikes. Okay, let's go on these likes because I'm trying to find this amazing, amazing thing that I'm built for. Like, oh, I'm supposed to do 500 movies. I'm supposed to do this and do that. But at the base level of everything, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my strength. I love your neighbor as yourself. The basic commandments that are in his word. And I was created to be a husband. I was created to be a father to many people, not just my son, to many people. I was created to be a brother, and everything flowed from those three things. So whatever I did, I did it from those three facts that I know about my life, that I know, that I know, that I know I was created to be those three things. And when I understood that, everything began to take off. So here's, here's kind of where I want to land this plane for a little bit. So 16-year-old Chancey Stuckey. And that was like 40 years ago. No, I'm kidding. Um, 16-year-old Chancey was, was maybe sitting in a, in a youth group in a church in Warner Robins, Georgia, a handful of years ago. And at, across the state of South Carolina, in this room and in 14 rooms all over the state, we have young people who, if we could see all of their journeys, we'd all be blown away, right? Like there's some, some people in here, like you're going to go do things and in 15 years we'll be sitting here telling your story and it'll be amazing. And we just, you have no idea. So if if 16-year-old Stuck was sitting right there and you had one 
like one chance to get a message through to him that would hopefully make sure that he becomes this version of you? What would you say to him? Because you've got a couple thousand 16-year-old Stuckies. So what would you say? Um, the one thing you don't get back is time. And if there's any evidence, anything to take away from the devastating situation that happened with um, Kobe and his daughter is that not tomorrow is really not promised. You know, and when I was 16, I was like, oh, I got forever. I'll, I'll, I'll be a Christian when I'm 25. I'll be a Christian when I get done playing in the NFL. And I wish I had a, took it seriously at 16. And, and it's unimaginable where I probably would be right now if I took it serious when I was 16. And just love God, love your friends, just love being around people, and just doing his will is the most freeing, beautiful thing that I could say to you guys. Like, what you're doing and the people you're with now, like, these moments are different. Like, you can be anywhere you want to on a it's Wednesday, right? Yeah, on, a, Wednesday. on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Works long. <laughs> uh, on a, you can be anywhere on a Wednesday night. All these campuses across um, South Carolina, you can be anywhere doing anything. I know you guys have friends who you might have invited or you want to come, but, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. Like, get them here. Yeah. And their hearts will be changed. Like, all you got to do is get them here and God will do the work. We're not called to do all that work. You know, some water, some plant, but God changes the heart. Mm. That's the reason Jesus died, and that is power. And, it, and the Greek word for that is dunamis power. That comes from the word of dynamite. Like, that is real power living inside each and every one of you with the power to do whatever he's called you to do. You just got to make a decision. You know, we have a saying around the facility that, you know, you're not destined for greatness. Destiny is a decision. Just like your salvation was a decision, it's a decision to do it, to do it every day. So my hashtag I got for you guys, you got to write this down, I got some stuff for you. There's a hashtag is facts over feelings. It's facts over feelings. So a little, a little nerd moment, so I can nerd out oh, real quick. Man. You know, we speak upwards of 70,000 words to ourselves every day in internal dialogue, 70,000. So the challenge to you is what are you filling your vessel with? What are you telling yourself? Are you believing what other people are saying to you? Are you believing what God says to you? So here are keys to winning. Write these down, okay? I have some scripture for you. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Says things that are good, things that are noble, things that are reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard, saw, and realized. Do that, and God makes everything work together. You saw from my testimony that God makes everything work together. The next one, Romans 5:11. Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The next one is Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne with grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit of God gave us, gave us a spirit not of timidity, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. Own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female created them. 
and to land this plane. Ephesians 2.10, I am a masterpiece created beforehand to do good works. His workmanship, the Greek word for workmanship is peoma, meaning poetry. So each one of you are God's love letter to the world. Each and every one of you are God's love letter to the world because he made you a masterpiece. You're uniquely designed with a singular fingerprint for this world. Your schools, your small groups, your pastors, your friends, everyone needs you to be you, not somebody else. You, we all suck at being somebody else. I suck at being Caleb all day long, but Caleb is incredible at being Caleb. So you guys need to be you. So last thing, I want you guys to repeat this after me. Because it's something that works in the spirit of declaring with your mouth, okay? You guys ready? Say, I am a child of God. I am set apart. I am chosen. I am worthy. I am free. I am loved. Facts over feelings. You're amazing, man. You're amazing. Hey, will you... Um, Will you pray for us real fast as we close? Will you, will you pray and then, uh, yeah. Um, Lord God, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit and for you being so amazing, Lord, and just flipping the roof off this place, Lord. You touch the hearts of those who are on the verge of just going all in with you, Father God. Those who know you, raise their level, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for the facts of who you say we are, Father God, not succumbing to our feelings, but the facts of who you say, say we are, that we can do it every morning and recite it to ourselves. Let those 70,000 words, Father God, be words from your word, that all scripture is breathed by you, Lord God. So I thank you for this group of next generation leaders. Father, I declare just amazing destinies over this group, Father. I declare for doctors and lawyers and pastors and husbands and fathers Father God, the gift of prophecy over them, the gift of tongues and understanding, every single thing that you have in your word, I declare that over this group and on every campus, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We pray for your strength, your glory, and just your love for your son dying on the cross for us, Father God, that we are your signature. You, we are your love letter to the world, Lord God. And we thank you, and we take that in stride. In the mighty, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you guys help me say thank you to Chansey for every campus? Let's uh, let's stand up. Every campus, get ready to uh, to respond. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, <laughs> I had planned to pray, but that was about all the prayer that I mean that was good stuff. So uh, we're we're gonna get into a time of response at every campus for the next few minutes, and so uh, let me pray. We'll get all this stuff off the stage. And then uh, somebody at your campus will be up to help you and walk your room through the next few minutes. So let's pray again. God, thank you. Thank you for, for Coach Chansey, for Pastor Chansey, for Chansey the dad, Chansey the, the husband, Chansey the friend, the brother, the, the son. Thank you for his life. God, thank you most of all that his life has a story, and it's not his story. It's the story of, of a God who picks people and saves them and calls them out and transforms them and gives them the ability to do incredible things. And God, I thank you that his story is my story. And it's the story of thousands of people listening to this right now, that there are just incredible things that you have created us to do. 
And so, God, I just pray for, um, I pray for faith. I pray for for anyone who may may just need some faith to some confidence in who you are and, and what you've planned for them and how to move forward. God, I pray you'd give them some confidence. God, for anybody who's struggling, who maybe doesn't see a path forward, who maybe just doesn't know what to do, God, would you just, would you meet them here tonight with your love? We love you, God. Thank you for all of the incredible people that we have here who are going to go on and do great things. We cannot wait to tell their stories. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.